This is the Wildflower Bee Farm Report for Sunday, January 24th, 2021. Well, just when we thought it was getting a little warm, we get hit with this, I guess they call it a polar semi-vortex or something. Uh, because we're down yesterday when we walked uh, the farm and looked at the hives, of course, from the outside. We're at about minus 18 Celsius with the wind uh, chill. It's also cold today. Um, and I'll talk a little bit about hive temperature as we move through this. The other thing that came up again this week and is because in this municipality, wherever you live, where your city or town may be, they're probably talking about budgets and spending your tax dollars. Uh, I asked for some information on how much uh, we're spending in this community on destroying uh, pollinator habitat by cutting the grass on all the municipal and road lands so that pretty much you could hit a golf ball off the side of the road, but you couldn't find a flower if you're a bee, if your life depended on it. And that's one of the problems I think we have with with our pollinators. They don't have a place to, to eat. There's nothing left. And I think the example I used, <coughs> I drove to... Um, Niagara Falls a few months ago from our farm here is about a three-hour drive along major highways and I think I only found one little section at that time the goldenrod was out there was only one little section that wasn't cut along the highway and the and the and we're talking very broad area we're not just talking right beside the highway or the shoulder of the road we're talking all the way over to private property was cut with these uh, incredible um, you know monstrosities of tractors that any farmer would love to have so I requested uh, through Freedom of Information Act the cost uh, spent in my community it's over a million dollars a year part-time and full-time times some 78 people have the job of cutting the grass from probably April May until October November in our community so obviously my question about that is why and why can't we turn that into a resource for natural pollinators and even honeybees posted that on a facebook page i have called uh, chatham rural ratepayer chatham kent rural rate which is basically a way to spout off and comment about what's happening in our community and i put that out there and it was interesting one person who i eventually banned uh, from the site got quite irate saying that you know maybe he has someone who works cutting the grass or something but anyway he was all irate because you know didn't i know that that you know all these invasive species would would overcome our province and um people would get in accidents because they couldn't see where they're going because the weeds would take over the road and all this crazy stuff and the the answer to all of that is it's nonsense because we know that for example white clover uh, sweet white clover which has been a mainstay for pollinators up until probably the 1970s or 80s when it was declared an invasive species and in fact in Canada in some of our natural parks uh, students are hired to rip it out every summer to, to, to eliminate it and then we complain why pollinators don't have uh, food and uh, diversity of source for pollen including bumblebees and all types of wildlife so there, there is a, a push in probably your community to to keep the sides of the roads cut perfectly just like if you were to plant wildflowers on your lawn you'd probably get a lot of um, pushback from your community your neighbors perhaps depending on where you live in some cases in Canada they've been ordered and fined and uh, the, the government will come in and cut your grass for you and send you the bill so I'm just waiting we have a as you know we've converted uh, 50 acres back to nature and wildflowers and tall grass prairie and clover i can just imagine when someone drives by and sees a invasive uh you know milkweed or something and doesn't think uh, it should be on our farm of course our farm is now totally fenced 
so good luck trying to get in. But um, certainly there would be a pushback, perhaps, I don't know, even though we've received some, um, 50% of the funding for this fall planting was covered by the provincial government in its effort to retire the land. It's quite an exciting program, and certainly we took uh, took an opportunity there, but you just don't know. And, and so there's this continual push on the one hand for you know, environment and take care of things. And, you know, the the recent decision, I mean, that's that's another podcast on, on shrink money advice, but about the Keystone Pipeline being canceled. But there's this push to help the environment. But when it gets down to really helping the environment on a, on a down-to-earth today, what are we going to do at 9 o'clock basis? No one wants to do anything. It's easy to talk about things if it affects other people's lives. Uh, but when it's when it's our own, or in case if you're a, a bee helper, honey bee helper, or bee keeper, you know that diversity of forage is really important. The habitat is the most important, we believe now, to keep bees healthy. So, so that's an example of sort of what's been happening. I'm asking you to write to your local politicians, ask how much they're spending and why can't we change it. And one example I used on that post, I said, well, you could plant red clover and you could plant clover that doesn't all sit clover and there's different types of things alfalfa or wildflowers that don't grow beyond a certain height and you may have to cut it once a year um, after it blooms to spread the seeds and maybe to you know help it get started if there's a you know a lot of grass uh, comp weed competition but we do that here on the farm and and many of the things we call weeds are in fact uh, pollinators and for uh, are helpful to our pollinators so who defines what an invasive species is and it seems that if it's something like say sweet white clover which is an absolutely incredible plant for for pollinators uh, hairy vetch for example still provides cover in the middle of winter for wildlife and was not so much a, a blooming plant for the uh, honeybees it was for the bumblebees the bumblebees were just I mean, this year it's, we're probably going to have an explosion of bumblebees. There were so many bumblebees. And in the winter, as you may know, the queens are the only ones that survive. They basically hibernate and they come out and they lay their eggs and start their families in the spring. I would be surprised. Last year it seemed like every meter or two we had bumblebees working in the hairy vets. It's probably going to be that much higher this year. So please, in your community, find out what they're doing. If you, if you know they're cutting, which they probably are, all of the wildflowers and all of the natural area. Uh, encourage them, if you will, to stop. Um, and they could even turn, I, I mean, the 78 people that are in charge of, of cutting the grass could be trained to plant wildflowers and clover and collect samples and become more involved in the... And can you imagine driving down the highway in our community, if you could see, for example, in the fall, New England aster, white heath aster, perhaps some uh, red clover mixed in, how beautiful that would be, and, and an incredible environment for pollinators and honeybees. Did a walk around yesterday and took um, thermal imaging pictures of hives because there's some real puzzles that I have. On the, in the internal um, thermostat uh, temperature monitors and humidity monitors, I've talked about this before, um, some of the hives are showing really high temperature, other hives almost the same temperature as it is outside even though the thermal shows us active clusters and it turns out obviously the the temperature may depend more on where the cluster is as opposed to the strength of the hive because and taking the thermal yesterday thermal photographs um, the one hive that's constantly you know for example today it's minus nine outside without the wind chill 
and inside this one hive it's actually 10 degrees Celsius so that's about a 20 degree difference well it looked it turns out after taking the picture yesterday that the cluster is in the top box right near where the sensor is which makes sense so it's giving off some heat from that cluster which makes a lot of sense so once you're in and did that i was also uh, if you go to wildflowerbeefarm.com you'll see where i i posted this week's uh, blog uh, about all the different hives and the thermal imaging and some questions about them the log hive seems to be the most uh, well the thermal camera has the toughest time getting through the log hive it, it just shows you you know remnants of the red or the or the warmth coming out and, and certainly through the entranceway but other than that it's a it seems like it's a pretty solid um home for them which makes sense of why bees would prefer to probably be in logs than anything else so that that's an interesting learning experience coming up this spring as we have uh currently five empty log hives to open up the swarms i haven't decided yet if i'm going to actually do a split I don't want to mess with the hive that swarmed into the log hive, but there is a way I could do that. I could take some frames from that hive and put them in an empty log hive and then put some empty frames because the, each frame is an individual cut. So you can't, it's going to be difficult to see if it will fit because it's based on the size of the log opening. And it's going to be a challenge because, you, you know, in the middle of moving a hive, a couple of frames, they're going to get a little nasty and angry if we should happen to move them and then have to stop because of the size of the frame. So I'm not sure what's going to go on there. The law, um, the top bar hives are still a bit of a puzzle. It's hard to get a good temperature reading because again, in a, in a, in a top bar hive, they're going left to right as opposed to up and down. And so the sensors are placed over an area that has no bees. So it's basically the temperature of the outdoors. Uh, we have no idea what's going on with the cluster i can tell you i opened up just the box top which doesn't affect the bees wall at all of one top bar hive and there was a mouse nest on top there which i was able to remove and and get them out of there but my concern is maybe they went and moved inside the hive and i don't know that yet uh, we have entrance reducers on them but we don't have mouse uh, screens which we're perhaps going to re regret when we get into the spring so that's the the walk around the hives all with sensors seem to be strong and all the thermal imaging we did suggests that they are fine but again we're just getting into some of the cold temperature times the humidity is staying below uh, concern so hopefully they're still dry which they need to be with our new uh, moisture blankets a couple of other things i'm looking at uh, getting some wooden covers um, that we will screen and on top of that we will put the moisture blankets because the moisture blanket screens have been propolized right to the frames by the bees so it's going to be quite a challenge in the spring when we try to take them off um, for whatever reason uh, to to either check or or uh, provide treatment for uh, varroa mites so a couple of challenging thoughts uh, going through still looking at you know how many hives do we want to get to with a 50 acre farm you should be able to have 50 hives we're at 31 right now uh, we'll see how many survive because as i've said we may be fighting hard just to get back to 31 if we lose a lot of them or if we're fortunate and a number of them do survive we'll be able to move forward with a few more so that's the wildflower bee farm report the other thing we're really working on as well i forgot to mention is a, a teacher site where um, 
We've hired a teacher to write lesson plans as a partner. That teacher's going to be involved. His name is Pat, Pat McGarry. He's going to be writing lesson plans and is with curriculum for, for Canada, Canadian schools in Ontario, where teachers will be able to go and schools will be able to purchase a subscription for a year and 50 teachers can use our lesson plans for primary, junior, intermediate age and use our videos uh, to teach children various language, writing, all kinds of different science and different, you know, different uh, school curriculum, which will really, really help them during these difficult times when, you know, they really do need motivational online material. So again, I'm Hank from the Wildflower Bee Farm. Look forward to talking with you again next week. Make sure you go to wildflowerbeefarm.com. Usually by Sunday afternoon or Monday morning, you'll see the latest blog. And, um, and join us. Follow us on Instagram, Wildflower Bee Farm. Uh, and uh, look forward to talking to you again next week. Have a great one.